Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Deeksha Chug, who is the head of growth intelligence at Square, overseeing AI machine learning work in four key areas, acquisition, cross-sell, retention, and infrastructure. She is a seasoned leader with over 15 years experience working in the data science and machine learning spaces. We're super excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show today, Deeksha. Thank you so much for having me. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, really excited to have you on, as I mentioned, is um, I'm wondering if you could give everyone, you know, a little bit of your, you know, maybe your background and tell us um, about how you got into tech in the first place, how you got into AI and like, was this always something you were interested in? Um, is it something you discovered, you know, in college or what was your kind of journey, I guess, to to this point? Great question. So uh, to bit give you a bit of background about my uh, journey to AI is I was uh, born and raised in New Delhi, India, and math was always my passion throughout school. And okay. uh, I started actually, I wanted to become a doctor when I was in high school, but then, uh, you know, if I ended up studying math uh, as a major in college. And okay. I realized like my passion for math at that time actually grew and I then uh, went to grad school to do mathematics and computer science. Uh, and I realized like I, I I just want to continue doing something that involved math. Uh, but then when I graduated in 2008, it was a peak of recession and the jobs were really hard to find. So I started my first job as a software engineer in a very large ID company uh, working on mainframes. And okay. I, I was coding in Kobo uh, and that was really hard. So after nine months, I left that job because I wasn't enjoying it. Um, I struggled a bit to find the right career for me. And that's what, when I knew that I want to work in a space which can utilize my analytical skills that I've learned over the last many, many years. And so I joined this consulting company uh, in India as a data analyst. Uh, okay. And that was 2010, actually. Uh, and then I was coding in VBA, if you, if you know what VBA is, Visual Basic for Applications in Excel. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that role and did that for three years. Uh, but, you know, I moved to States after that and I realized data science became a real thing at that point of time when DJ Patel actually coined that, that term. Uh, and because of my background in data anal analyst, which is now called data science, uh, I wanted to pursue that journey, so I started this master's in data science uh, program at University of San Francisco. It was okay. it was a one year program at that point in time. There were not many universities actually that offered that program. Very couple, very few universities, um, and I wanted to uh, you know stay in the Bay Area, so I you know joined that, and I think that was kind of the place uh, junction where I really actually started my journey with machine learning, data science, AI, and 
learned so much uh, through that program and then the opportunities that came after. So I, I would say like that was the, the starting point of my ML and AI journey. That's incredible. Um, what a cool journey. And I mean, you you changed countries, you changed all sorts of jobs, you got a master's. There's so many exciting things uh, to talk about there. Now you're working at Square. Um, and as I mentioned, you're over a couple different areas. I'm wondering if you can give just like a brief explanation about, you know, what you currently do at Square and, and maybe the, the areas that you oversee acquisition, cross-sell retention and, and infrastructure. Sure. So for the last seven years, I've been, you know, part of Square. I'm currently leading uh, data teams, which are responsible for developing machine learning and AI solutions for acquisition of prospective and existing customers. And uh, for Square, you know, it's a B2B company. Uh, our customers are, the main primary customers are sellers. So yeah. if you think of the journey uh, from Square's perspective, it largely consists of three different stages, starting with acquisition, then engagement, and then retention, right? So you start with acquisition. In the acquisition phase, you're focused on sellers who are still who are not using Square, and those are okay. our prospective customers. So in that area, we use, my team specifically, uses a lot of data-driven techniques, machine learning models, uh, to optimize our acquisition strategy so that we use data to identify the right seller uh, at the right time and talk about the right product. Square has more than 30 plus third party products and you know 200 or 1400 plus third party integrations. How do you make sure that you put the right product in front of the right seller? So in that acquisition phase, you want to maximize the ROI of your marketing dollars that you're spending as a company. And data comes in handy in that space. The next area that we focus is on engagement. So now that engagement is about existing sellers, existing customers. How do you increase the engagement of with your existing customers? We do that by improving uh, the adoption of our first-party and third-party products through recommendations. So that recommendation could be about product recommendation, could be about you know the feature that uh, they we should we want to recommend to the seller. So in that in that uh, engagement phase, we are using data for that our existing sellers are giving to us to personalize. Uh, their journey with Square. The third, yeah. Um, and then in the third stage, which is now that you have an engaged seller, how do you make sure that they are retained with your company? So um, retention is something that, so churn is, is something that every company faces, right? So in the retention phase, we focus on you know, building some churn models so that we can predict who is about to churn so that we can proactively reach out to them. And, oh, you know, yeah, we can proactively reach out and then understand what's causing them to churn and, you know, 
devise some strategies so that we can learn like what our sellers are struggling with so that we can improve uh, as a company. That's so interesting. Actually, so I have a, my background is kind of in marketing and something, you know, that we focus a lot in marketing is like what's called like a win back campaign. So like mm -hmm. once you lose someone, how to get them back. <laughs> I love that you guys are so proactive and that you have the technology to use machine learning and AI and algorithms and whatnot to look at um, people that are likely to churn. So before it even happens, you're proactively trying to get them. And I bet your, you know, your attention is so much better for that. So really, really cool that you're able to use, you know, data in that way. It sounds like you're working on some very very exciting uh, problems there. One question I have for you is, you know, you've been in kind of the space for a number of years. How have you seen the, I guess, the market kind of shift and evolve in, in regards to AI and, and data and machine learning and everything going on today? Yeah, I think this is something, um, it has evolved definitely drastically. Some of the things are are same. Um, I can share more about that, but like for starters, data science and machine learning engineer, data engineer, like those are not the words that you would have heard back in 2008. There was, there were no roles <laughs> like that. Um, there were business analysts, there were data analysts and statistical or quantitative analysts, uh, and then statistical modeling, uh, people used to use SAS a lot, uh -huh. um, especially among big banks, you know, for fraud and fraud detection and other uh, strategies. They use SaaS as a software to do statistical models. And maybe, you know, Google was definitely, Google definitely had like quantitative analysts, uh, which were doing some algorithm development and so on. Uh, when, you know, in 2010, 2012, when these these data science uh, word became the sexiest job of the 21st century. You know, uh, Howard University declared that at that time. Uh, I remember, you know, every startup, every company wanted wanting to hire data scientists, and everyone claimed that their product is powered by machine learning. Uh, uh -huh. Even if they're just using rules in the behind the scenes, they're not even using machine learning. But just the fact that they have like one or two data scientists in the company, they said that we're using data science, you know, and right. that that was a selling point. Mm -hmm. uh, and but then a lot of companies actually became completely data driven. Uh, I remember, you know, Square was one of them. That every decision making. The, that used to happen in the company, either to manage or grow the business. Uh, they were using machine learning and data science in every facet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the, the trend has shifted. Now, it was about data science and machine learning in 2013. Now, it's about generative AI. <laughs> okay. uh, we're in this world with huge democratization of AI and every company is running to incorporate generative AI in their processes, in their flows. And of course, you know, there's a lot of potential with this technology and there's a lot of cool opportunities for improving internal processes, reducing cost, uh, creating personalized customer experiences. Um, and, you know, the landscape has shifted in a way that now we're going to see 
new wave of roles emerging. Like, for example, prompt engineers are emerging uh, as a result, right? And similarly, I think a lot of existing roles will be redefined. The machine learning engineer role or the data scientist role or the software engineering role, I think a lot of those roles will be redefined in terms of what companies expect them to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So a lot of shifts. Um, and that's really interesting to hear your perspective on that. Something I would love to ask you about, right? Because you're kind of in the thick of it and working on all of this uh, kind of new technology. I'd love to know, like, from your perspective, what role does generative AI play in enhancing customer communication and, and all like and in all of the stuff you're working on now? Like, what is the role of generative AI for you and your team? Yeah, I think if you if you go back to the basics, right, customer communication is all about language and content, because without the text and the language, you cannot communicate to the uh, to the end customer. So, and generative AI is powerful in terms of ideation and iteration and personalization of this language and content that meet the needs of the customer. Mm -hmm. uh, the most obvious use case that a lot of companies are uh, using or trying to use generative AI is transforming their customer service. So customer service is where a lot of pain points are, like it's an operational garden, right? Uh, and a lot of customers are unhappy and they're reaching out to customer support or like customer service to get the answers quickly. How can you resolve that? So something else I would love to kind of ask you about and pick your brain on is, you know, what are some challenges you faced with implementing AI and machine learning at Square? Great question. Um, so, of course, you know, there are, at Square, it's, I think it, there are different challenges. Um, and you may, may be surprised with this, this response or may not be surprised, but the biggest challenge I think so far we face with implementing AI and ML is around people. Okay. It's not just at like, at Square, but I think at other companies that I've also worked for, a lot of people in the people don't really understand how ML or AI works, and you know what are some of the obvious opportunities where you can utilize that. And so a lot of it comes down to educating people about how machine learning can be utilized to solve a particular challenge. Um, Right, so it can be sometimes an uphill battle if you don't have the right people uh, in order to get their buy-ins and so on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, those people challenges can be around, uh, like there's a other spectrum where some people think, oh, ML and AI is magic <laughs> and it can right. do anything. And that they think that it can solve all the problems. And then you try to inject ML and AI in everything. So it doesn't work like that, right? So uh, there has to be, I think, a lot of education around this technology so that people in the company understand where it makes sense 
to utilize machine learning uh, because it also has its limitations. The limitations is around data and, and the right business problem. If you don't have any data for the ML to train your models on, you won't get uh, an impactful result, right? Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, uh, I need to jump in on calls and say like, hey, do you have data in this space? And they're like, no, we just have maybe 100 rows. And I'm like, no, you can't, you can't start with machine learning there. You need to start with something else or heuristics or, you know, so that I would say can be sometimes uh, the biggest challenge. There are, you know, technology related challenges. I think those are solvable uh, with, with so many uh, companies out there who have built uh, infrastructure solutions. And we have a, you know, infrastructure team uh, within our within within our organization that is building tools to to get to the solutions faster, uh-huh. right? You need a lot of machine learning infrastructure, data infrastructure, so that you can maintain the data quality, you can maintain the uh, uh, monitoring of the systems, and make sure that what you're feeding into the the models is uh, correct and uh, and you have ongoing uh, maintenance in 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 the form of you know retraining your models so that gotcha. your models always remain fresh. So there are a lot of technology related challenges. So you need to invest in infrastructure. Um, so at Square, I think uh, we're lucky that we have huge infrastructure teams that are catered to uh, solving the needs of machine learning engineers so that we can get to a working model pretty quickly. That's really interesting. Yeah, and you guys do have a pretty solid team over there at Square, so I'm always uh, impressed by that. Something else I would love to ask is, you know, like what advice would you give to companies maybe that are looking to invest in AI for growth, but, you know, they're not really sure where to start with it? Sure. So if you are, um, I think you need to remind, like, understand whether you're first of all looking to your data foundations start with creating solid data foundations and when i say data foundations i mean you have some eventing system right and through which you're collecting data about the about your customers you want to make sure that you have created some etls that creates a curated and high quality data sets before you jump into AI or ML. Because without that curated and high quality data sets out of that high dimensional data that you are collecting from eventing systems, you cannot get to the state of where your algorithm can learn intelligently. So I would stay, you know, that is something that which has stayed constant, actually. You asked me a question about, you know, how you've seen the field evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing that has stayed constant uh, is very relevant for this question as well is the data quality. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. the everything boils down to your high quality data. And so investing in those high quality data is is what I would say for companies to to invest in. And when they have that ready, you know, start with heuristics uh, where, uh, don't start with, you know, just creating a model. 
right? Like complicated models. Start with heuristics or rules. For example, if you are, you know, trying to maximize a conversion rate, you can, for a product, you can send, you can identify the industry where the conversion rate is higher and, you know, segment your data according to that and then send the communication to your customers based on that uh, rule on heuristics. So I would say you need to start with some rules and then if that rules proves out to be valuable through your A-B experiments, then you should invest, definitely invest in building machine learning model because building complex rules uh, can be really challenging to manage. So you really want to jump into machine learning at that point of time. Um, Another point that I think is really important before you jump into machine learning or AI is uh, implementing and implementing metrics, which basically you want to define the function that you want to optimize, right? If you're not clear on the optimizing function metric, uh, then you cannot, like, even if you instruct your team to create a model and they don't even know like what they're optimizing for, then you will not get the business result that you're aiming for. I think that's really, really true. Deekshot, thank you so much for joining us on the AI Chat Podcast today. I have appreciated all of your insights, everything you have uh, shared, and especially your advice to people looking in the field. What I want to do is um, for anyone, for all the listeners, I'm going to leave a link in the description of this to Square so you can go check them out. Um, and see you know, how their solutions can help um, play into uh, what you are currently building. Um, but again, thank you so much for Deekshaw for you know, coming on the show and sharing with us today. To the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AIbox, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.